Now, Ukraine's President Zelensky is lobbying Western countries for fighter jets to help drive out Russian forces. France and the UK will consider this, but other nations are more cautious. Richard Sheriff is former Deputy Supreme Allied Commander of NATO in Europe, and he told us that fighter jets are necessary to ensure a faster win for Ukraine. Yes, it does. But we've got to be realistic here. As you can imagine, on our side of the water, there's been a lot of debate, um, and Rishi Sunak said he ruled nothing off the table. The reality is, and I defer to my Air Force friends here, it takes a long time to train a typhoon pilot. You're going to take Ukrainian pilots, you've got to convert them to um, American or French or British airplanes, uh, and you've got to put the logistics in place. That logistics and engineering effort with with Air Forces is pretty heavy. But the critical point is this. The more devastating the arsenal, the West... Not only NATO, but other allies as well can deliver to Ukraine. The quicker this thing is going to be over, the quicker the Ukrainians can achieve their objectives. But is there Um, a danger there, uh, General Sir Richard Sheriff, that such deployment, say, of fighter jets and these heavy tanks is going to escalate this conflict and, as one writer put it, end NATO's determination to avoid an active conflict with Russia? It's it's difficult, frankly, to see how this thing could be escalated much more than than, than what Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin has done already. But yes, of course, there is a risk of escalation. But you have to mitigate that risk by being prepared for the worst case. And the West, I'm afraid, has a long way to go before adjusting to the mindset that we need to be ready for the worst case. The need to give Russia, uh, give the Ukrainians the means to achieve their military objectives against Russia remains of paramount importance. And we know that heavy tanks are promised in the spring or summer. Can you explain to our listeners, why does it take so long to get a tank from Germany or Poland into Ukraine? Well, you're talking to an old tank commander here. Tanks are devastating on the battlefield when they're part of a, an appropriate combined arms mix, but they are logistically very demanding uh, you need to train the crews. It takes six months to train a tank, a British tank commander on his crew commander's course. Now, you can accelerate that, of course, because the Ukrainians uh, won't need any tactical uh, training because they've got more than enough practical tactical training. But nevertheless, you've got to teach them about the driving, the maintenance, the, the whole how to, how to run it, how to repair it. The gunnery is quite complex, and it does take time to do that. Um, It's going to take less time, of course, for a tank that's in Poland or Germany because it's there. But you've still got to train the crews. You've got to put in place the logistics, the maintenance, the recovery vehicles, all the other paraphernalia that goes with it. Has Europe underestimated Russia's ability to absorb large losses and punishment and to just keep on fighting? No, I don't think Europe's underestimated the Russian ability. But I think I would say all European nations have dragged their feet and been reluctant to concentrate effort. And a core military principle of war is concentration of effort. Clout don't dribble. Uh, And there's a real need to clout here, not to dribble. And there's been too much dribbling. Russia's threat to use nuclear weapons is stopping really the West from providing much of this military equipment or getting more involved in this. What do you think Russia's response might be if and when tanks and jets are provided to Ukraine? Well, you'll get a lot of sabre-rattling. You'll get a lot of hot air. Any threat of the use of nuclear weapons is seriously dangerous. But put it in context. President Xi of China has already said to Putin, you know, that's out of bounds. Uh, the Indians have President Modi, likewise. And on top of that, I'm in no doubt that the message has got through to key Russian um, decision-makers at every level 
that if there is any hint of the use of nuclear weapons, it will bring down conventional Armageddon on Russian forces. Uh, there will be so much pain inflicted. And of course, it changes everything. And yet Russia remains largely confined to the Donbass and Donetsk areas where it's been really since 2014. Why is there no talk of negotiations to end this bloodshed? Well, the one man who would like to, 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 to negotiate more than anybody is Putin, the bloodstained tyrant, the autocrat. Why? Because it would give him large chunks of, of Ukraine. Ultimately, this is for the Ukrainians. This is for the Ukrainian people led by President Zelensky. And who can blame them for wanting to evict every single Russian soldier from Ukrainian territory after what Russia has done and is doing to Ukraine, the destruction of cities, the mass use of mass rape as a weapon of war, uh, massacres of civilians, and deportation of children. Uh, absolutely right for the Ukrainians want to e e eject the Russians, and we should not be pushing them to but negotiate. But that allows Russia to say then that, you, that Ukraine won't negotiate. Well, fair enough. I mean, would you negotiate with somebody who's trampled all over your, your, your property, your house and, and, and your country to do the terrible things that have been done? I mean, I know there's a bit of history here, but, you know, I can completely understand the Ukrainian perspective on that. And that was General Sir Richard Scherer, former Deputy Supreme Allied Commander in NATO in Europe.